Okay. I think we're recording. Here's the deal, guys. I, um, when I was unemployed a couple of years ago, I ha- and COVID had just started, I had lots and lots of time to reconnect with my podcasting friends on various topics. And uh, so I'd record those conversations and we'd put them out. And then I got a job. <clears throat> and then COVID is still COVID, but it's not quite as big a lockdown. And so I haven't had time to do these kind of roundtables with my friends anymore. And with it being the end of the year and the holidays, and it just, I have so many questions for some of these guys, whether they're even truly into podcasting anymore, which we're going to talk about. Um, I, uh, I thought, well, I want to catch up with my friends. And we were just joking about this, maybe turning it into some content that we can share with everybody too, just to kind of, I don't know, reconnect. So what we have is uh, Brad Page from our, he's been on, all of you guys have been on before, but Brad is from the uh, I'm in love with that song podcast. Hi, Brad. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for having me, John. You bet. And then um, we've got a couple of ghosts, a couple of podcasts, you know, vapor trails from back in the day. We have Eric Miller, who is from pods and sods with a question mark. And then we have uh, BJ Cramp, who's from rock and or roll with a question mark. Hi guys. Hey, well, I'm still from pods and sods network. It's still there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just not particularly active. We do live streams every now and again. We did more, like you said, back with friends over COVID, but it's kind of, it's kind of trailed off a little bit. My uh, co-host Craig Smith does ep- episodes periodically once every month or two, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of considering myself pretty well retired at this point. Yeah, so. I want to get into that with you in a minute. BJ, what's your status? Um, I make it back to, you know, and I don't, I don't know how much of my time is still going to be taken up by the book once it starts being edited. But, you know, it. I stopped the podcast because I got threatened, you know, by the Recording Industry Association of Antarctica or whatever. And, uh, um, that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I was trying to juggle a weekly podcast and writing a book and it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stopped doing the podcast, everything came together with the book. Now it's basically done. So, you know, if it hadn't happened, I was kept trying to do the podcast and the book with the limited free time that I had, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What can you, what can you tell us about the book? You're just saying the book as if we, I mean, we know. Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's about the prehistory and early years of Cheap Trick. That's how I, because it goes right up to when Budokan's about to come out. So it ends at like a cliffhanger. Okay. And um, yeah, you know, I was doing that for, I mean, I had that meeting with Ken Adamani and Bonnie Carlos like four years ago. Wow. So mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, and I, I don't know if I ever, ever, ever actually, I'm not sure how much I believed in myself that I would actually pull it off. So it was really when I just stopped working on the podcast completely that it, you know, the book happened. Mm-hmm. So I guess, but yeah, I, I, I'm still in the Pantheon network. I, once in a while I check and see if they've just taken me off of there. Yeah. You're because, still there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I really yeah. would like to take advantage of that. And I mean, I don't, since I can't do the kind of show I did before, I don't really, haven't really figured it out yet. Um, mm-hmm. I do have one plan that would probably be a separate, like limited series um, that I have to run by the Pantheon guys, but I think they would like it. Um, That would be about Colonel Tom Parker. 
Oh, right. So, awesome. Awesome idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guy, there's a book I really love by um, James L. Dickerson. I had him on my show. I remember. Yeah, way back in the early time. And he said he would do it with me. And also he consulted on that movie that's coming out, you know, is it Baz Luhrmann that made <laughs> it with Tom, so, yeah. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks plays Colonel Tom, you know. So uh, James L. Dick, I guess there's going to be a lot of good stuff about Colonel Tom in that movie, too. And James was uh, consulted on the movie. I think they might have even optioned his book or something like that. Hmm. So um, James, when I asked James about it a while ago, about doing something like that, um, he said, yeah, but let's time it closer to when the movie comes out, which I think it's supposed to come out next summer, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to get back with James, but I think I'm going to put together something like a five episode thing about Colonel Tom, you know, because it's, cool. it's a fascinating character. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I still plan on and, you know, get rock and or roll going somehow. Okay. As long as Pantheon doesn't, you know, just <laughs> erase my logo from their whole. <laughs> I, right. I, I seriously, I checked like last week or the week before. I was like, do they still have my logo up there? Or did they just get rid of me? <laughs> you know, so. Eric, what's your story? Um, well, first off, isn't it interesting that Tom Hanks is cast as Tom Parker? Like, such yeah. a villain. I guess it's the charm, right? Because mm. Tom Parker was kind of a villain, but I guess, was he charming? Is that the, was that his, you know, what was his, you know, because Tom yeah, Hanks was very sweetheart, you know? Yeah. Interesting Colonel cast. Tom must have had something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I don't yeah. know what. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I had a lot of episodes in the can. Um you know, I, I work two full-time jobs. I haven't said that publicly. So um, if you're either of my employers, don't tell the other. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I did a political show on a daily basis while I was doing pods and sods. And, you know, I honestly, I just kind of burned out on it. I did, I did a lot of episodes in a short period of time. You know, there was, there was a run there where I think I did like 23 days in a row or something like that. And I was recording and editing and putting them up on a daily basis. And I could have spread that out. You know what I mean? I just, mm -hmm. uh, I burned myself out, you know, and I have, if you want to hear the, all the episodes I have in the can, you go back and listen to John and Andy's recap. Cause you guys delineated all the ones I did this one with them. I did that one with them and they're all just <laughs> sitting in the can, you know, I, yeah, listened I, to I did one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we, There's we, a Slade one with <laughs> me and Ryan McKay. <laughs> <laughs> but to be in my, in my, to be fair to BJ, I have a list on my phone of all my no shame picks ready to go for if I ever get back on. I still have a list of my six pack soundtracks yeah, right? on my phone as well. <laughs> so yeah, I think I just, I'm, you know, I don't miss the, I don't miss the, um, I don't mean this to be in any way. I don't, I don't miss the hustle of it, to be honest. Like I don't miss, you know, the, the editing. I don't miss the, I miss the camaraderie is the thing I miss. Right. And you yeah. guys are still my friends. So yeah. I'll miss the chasing the guests. I don't miss the, you know, getting turned down occasionally by a guest. I don't miss the getting pitched the guests that you really don't want, but you got to be polite about. Right. I don't miss all of that stuff, you know? Um, and to be honest, like, <clears throat> I don't know if you're getting to this point or you'll ever get to this point, John, but you know, there's a point where you're like, yeah, they're probably whatever the number is. Right. There was, there was, it, let's just say a hundred artists that I wanted to talk to. Right. And then number one, one to 200, eh, probably a little less so. Right. And then like two one to two ninety nine, like, <laughs> I don't want to, well, why am I talking? You know, it's just becomes habitual. Right. And the 
the passion of it is gone in a way, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I got, there's only three or four that would be like dream guests that I would, you know, come out of retirement and, you know, to what end really. Right. So, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't miss that stuff. Of it. I just miss, you know, you guys, but like I said, the friends I made are still my friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm grateful for opportunities like this to catch up with you guys. Yeah. Same. Um, Brad, what'd you do? Can- Oh, on that ahead. topic, sorry to go down that rabbit hole, but John, can I ask you? And yeah. you should have to answer it, but you know, like, is there a point where you're like, ah, do I need to talk to, and I'll insert random musician from obscure band here, right? You know, is there a point where you're like, well, I kind of, I kind of got a satisfactory amount of my checklist checked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I will admit I used to go up and down on that a lot um, every few months kind of getting depressed and feeling like it wasn't you're kind of you're I felt like I was broadcasting into the same echo chamber it's the same group of people who listen so it never really changes never gets any bigger I've hit a I've hit a ceiling where I can get a certain level of guests pretty easily but I can't get that next level and I've talked to pretty much everyone on the level I can get and um, but I I've felt pretty good for a while. Um, there's still plenty of people that, I, I mean, almost everybody we ever have on, I, I don't really have anyone on unless I'm really interested in them. And um, I try to keep the conversations fresh. I don't know that I've gotten any better. I've probably gotten more comfortable, but I don't think I've gotten better as an interviewer. So I do wonder, um, every year when we come up on our next anniversary, which is always the beginning of May, the months leading up, I think, well, maybe now's a good time to stop. You know, we'll do five years or we'll do six years or now we're coming up on seven years. That's a good chunk. And, um, but then you land that interview and it's, you know, it would come out in June and you think, well, I guess I'll do one more month or one more anyway, but yeah, I go up and down all the time, but I, I feel like we still put out quality work and I think people appreciate what we do. And so I just keep going. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not hard to talk to rock stars. You know, it's fun and no one's firing me. And so uh, that part's fun. Yeah, yeah you, you seem, you, you seem you, to have fun most of the time. I do. Yeah. I mean, only a little every now and then an interview goes sideways or it's yeah. not what I wanted or the guy's boring or whatever. But um, I, and uh, let's be completely honest. This only works because I have Yan as my producer. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, if I had to do all the editing like you did, Eric, I would have burnt out ages ago. We never would have gotten off the ground. So I am so lucky that I get to focus on the part I like and he gets to focus on the part he likes and we make it work that way. Yeah, it's also good. I'm going to give you a jab here, John. It's Uh also good. It's also good that every record ever released is your favorite. So you'll never (laughs) run out of. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I have to, I will say, I don't think I've said that in a while. I don't think I've, I think I've done all my all time favorites. Yeah. I think I'm on to like things I really like now. I don't yeah. think plus, plus you, you should prepare. Like you don't want to be accountable for, you know, someone having the, the Minneapolis police department trying to talk Andy off a bridge, <laughs> you know, on the day you announce you're not going to put on new episodes. Right. Oh Yeah. He'll move on. He, he's got a, I'm sure he has a podcast mistress out there. He'll just, 
He'll just love the next podcast in line, whatever that might be. I don't be. think so, man. It is, it is, he's a true believer. I don't know. He's the best. I love he's him. a character on Cobras and Fire now. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is. I love the drops of his Minnesota accent. I love those. <laughs> so cool. yeah. Andy is one of the funniest dudes, man. I, yes. I mentioned uh, it was something completely unrelated. I posted a picture of New York City, and I said, look at the hustle and bustle of the New York City he commented, like, does someone say hustle? <laughs> I, was, I was in New York. I was just laughing my ass. Like, this, guy, this guy is too much. Love it. Uh, we're lucky. We're lucky. We have some good fa- fans and friends. Um, Brad, what's going on with you? What's new? What would you do for Thanksgiving? By the way, I listened to your Levy's episode this morning. And thank oh, you thanks. for saying thanks to me. I love you, too, obviously. But what's oh, I new? All, yeah, I mention all you guys because you guys really my show wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the three of you and Craig, my inspirations. Um, yeah, we actually had our Thanksgiving yesterday. Uh, my son had the opportunity to work on Thanksgiving Day and make double time or whatever. So mm-hmm. and personally, I don't care when we do it as long as we do it. Um, so I'm still sort of recovering from, you know, two days in the kitchen because I'm I do all the cooking. Um, do you? <laughs> but uh, and then most of the cleaning afterwards. But it was. Uh, um, uh, so, yeah, it was we yeah. had a good time. Yeah. Just, good. you know, relatively small. Um, but I mean, as far as the show, I keep going. I mean, I'm my show is different than than it was closer to what what BJ was doing in that I I don't. I really don't have guests on my show other than occasionally. Um, so I'm not dependent on that, that uh, rejection. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would probably quit after my first rejection because I'm that much of a, of a wimp, but um, you know, no, as that... long as there's songs out there worth talking about, yeah. uh, I think the show will keep going. So, Good. and I've actually um, with, with the, downtime during covid in in uh the forced isolation which is exactly what i want out of life i've waited for my entire life for people to tell me that i don't have to go out and i don't have to see other people and i don't have to yeah. socialize perfect it's my dream yeah. come true <laughs> uh so i've banked i've got almost a year's worth of episodes banked now. wow um yeah um yep yep so i i plan to once i get a full years in the can. I'm, I'm going to take a break for a bit and actually work on making some of my own music. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for, for six months or so, and then probably start recording again. But that was the goal was just to, but with, you know, with being home and not having to go out, it was just plenty of time to keep churning through those, those episodes. And there's always something to talk about. You know, you always yeah. have something to talk about. Yeah. So. I, um, I, I think I always think of your podcast as just this perfect little shot Every two weeks, it's, uh, you know, 15 to 20 minutes long. It's just perfect. Hearing you talk about great songs and dissecting it that way, it's always a gift. Every two weeks, I love it. Thanks, John. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to ask you guys about, um, specifically BJ and Eric, I guess, because you're less involved now. You mentioned, Eric, missing the community. Do you... See, I always think if I quit... I would have a lot of like phantom pain, you know, it'd be like losing a limb. I, what would I do with then with all that free time? I would, I would, it would take me months not to think about guests and questions and stuff like that every night before I go to bed. Do you 
how do you do you ever get like oh i wish i had a podcast right now or i'm really in the mood to talk to somebody or i miss going to like the rock and pod expo or something like that do you miss those things pj yeah you go first beach yeah yeah I, well you know the podcast was just an extension of my hobby for my whole life anyway so i was yeah. always obsessing over finding music learning about music so a lot of the work I did for the podcast was stuff I would have done anyways. Mm -hmm. It's stuff I, I always did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was, I pitched a Coen brothers podcast to Brian sword. Cause I never get to talk to him. I I've been doing a strange group podcast with Lee McCormick. I, and I mean, one of the, yeah, one of the big reasons I want to do the podcast is because of all you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's the part that definitely, yeah, it, it, it feels, it did feel a, a lot of the last year like I was uh, missing out on just mm -hmm. these um, friendships, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Yeah. Uh, I don't miss the, 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 the guest side of it so much. I just generally in life, like BJ said, it was an extension of his hobby, right? I, I tend to work on projects for a period of time. Like I've you know, I've done benefit concerts. I did a big one last year, right? And that, you know, that honestly, I was working the two full-time jobs and planning that event. I was musical director and booked it and drove out and got to have dinner with Mr. Lamoureux here, which was a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, that took more of my time than either of my two full-time jobs, right? Mm -hmm. so, you know, I do things like that, right? The political show and whatever. So, you know, at the moment, I don't have something that I'm completely hurling myself into right mm -hmm. i wouldn't call it phantom pain you know it probably feeds into boredom and loneliness and whatever but something will present itself here in no in no time and i'll be mm -hmm. like flung into that you know same as i was doing six packs 23 days in a row mm -hmm. right whatever that next sort of obsession is you know I'll, i'm sure i'll be you know pulled into that and yeah. i will also say um like the friendships don't go away like i came out there and i saw you i was like hey i was in the neighborhood yeah. You know, I was remiss that I didn't reach out to Devin from Cobras and Fire, right? But I was just in Boston and got to have breakfast with Mr. Page, which was amazing. In January, I'm going out to uh, to an event near BJ's house, which I, I think, BJ, the weather's warm in January, right? So it's like, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I get to, you know, I get to see you guys. I find other excuses, right? Opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that, you know. I think that makes the friendships deeper, right? So it's not just around, you know, not, not to cheese out on you, Brad, but, you know, after I drove away from our breakfast the other day, I was thinking that was really cool because we weren't recording. We weren't making content. We weren't doing a show, you know, um, Heidi wasn't there. I love your wife, Heidi. Craig wasn't there. I love Craig, right? It was just me and Brad, right? We got to talk about other stuff. You know, just just friends. You know what I mean? And it was it was different, right? And it you know, yeah, we didn't really talk that much about music. Actually, we talked mm -hmm. about almost everything. But yeah, it's cool. Like you know, John and I fought over olives when we were in Colorado. Whatever, right? we can, <laughs> you know, and we can, you know, make our friendships broader and deeper when they're not, you know, fixed around making yeah. content or that you know that schedule of, you know. Although that was absolutely fun, and I do miss that. But I, you know, it's again, it's the friendships, you know, and I I don't think those have faded. So I, I think I'm blessed in that regard. Well, I would say you're the best pods and sods episodes really just you and Craig. Just, yeah, just, of course. You know what I mean? It didn't even have to have a guest. The, just the, the two of you together. One. Yeah, the, the 80s the, for each year, the 80s. I mean, those are obviously the best episodes. 
So, yeah, I, w- I would love more of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every now and yeah. then I, I, I throw it to him and Jeff Harris. I'm like, we should, we got to start doing this. These, you know, so. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is, I wanted to ask you about that, Eric. I mean, I know that I think one of the, one of the other causes that caused you things that caused you to hesitate was what BJ mentioned earlier that uh, podcasts playing complete songs were getting targeted there for a while. I know this kind of uh, worried Ken Mills for a while too. Um, but what's stopping you from doing something that doesn't include that? We've all established we like it when you're just chatting with Craig or somebody. Why not do more of that? Just doesn't uh, interest you? Yeah, I mean, we've done it on the streams. We did it on the live streams, right? You know, it's the editing and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, my computer died, so I'd actually have to get a new computer and whatnot. It's a new setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I've let all my all my things expire and whatever. So even Photoshop, I don't have Photoshop currently. It's mm-hmm. the first time in my adult life I haven't had Photoshop. <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of let it lapse a little, you know, but I can, I can do a live stream and I certainly will join things like this and, you know, I'm sure Craig and I will do some version of a state of the union here and there where I just mm-hmm. go hang out with him and we record something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but, you, okay. know, other than that, so, you know, I don't miss the, the work of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. Um, I, uh, okay. Well, hopefully that establishes where everybody is these days. I, <laughs> maybe I did this wrong. I, my thinking was I want to reconnect with you guys. The panels or roundtables we did a couple of years ago got a good response. And I, so I thought, well, let's, I better come up with a topic. Otherwise people may not think it's interesting to just hear four friends chat about life, but that's what it's been so far. So the topic that I came up with was our top three favorite TV shows that we saw this year. I figure with, you know, TV shows kind of, dwarfing movies at this point in terms of kind of cultural relevance in a lot of ways um and with lockdown being what it was i mean i think the last two years everybody's inhaled a lot of television content so i thought that would make for a fun conversation so i don't know maybe uh maybe coming up with the topic was the wrong move maybe we should have just the four of us chit-chatted about life for another hour but i that's what i thought we should i didn't think anyone would tune in for that so hopefully they'll tune in for us talking about our top three favorite TV shows of the year. Um, I will say that I, I sort of, am, it doesn't have to have been a show that came out this year. Um, although if it is, that's better probably, but the top three shows that you discovered or watched or took in this year. Before we well, get there. I would there, say, oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. point of order, Chairman Lamoureux. Um <laughs> I think we should, uh, I mean, what's everyone's feeling about is kind of like the elephant in the room, which is the Beatles Get Back show that I That's imagine what I we're was all just gonna watching, say. right? Yes. Okay. I was, um, my first like, question was to throw to you, Brad. I haven't watched it yet. How do you feel oh about God. Get Back? Well, uh, I'm, I think of the, of the four of us, I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I know I'm on record as the Beatles is my favorite band. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm loving every minute of this 60 hours worth of this footage. And if they had aired it all, I would have watched every minute of it. Um, I think if you're not a big Beatles fan, I don't think there's anything in there that would convince you. Um, it's not for that, but if you've got any passing interest in the Beatles, um, 
I mean, I think it's definitely worth worth watching. There's some just a lot of fascinating moments in there. I'd love to hear if you guys watched it. What what some of your fit? I haven't finished it actually. I didn't. I didn't watch the third episode yet. That's once we okay. once we hang up here, I'm off to watch that. But of what you guys have seen, what were your favorite moments? I've I watched, watched BJ. Have you watched it? I watched the first episode. I finished the first one last night. Like I said, the last two days have just been. Yeah. I've been really cramming in the on the book. But yeah, I you know I I started crying a couple times. Uh, uh, <laughs> Just seeing the songs develop, that's what I love the most. Yeah. There was there were a couple of segments that were pretty boring. I even fast forwarded, like when they were talking on and on about the set for the special and stuff. There was one part that just went on and on and on. <laughs> but you know, when you see get back start from Paul just kind of pounding on the bass and he's that- like just gibberish, and then it develops. I mean, that's just insane. that was. Yeah, that was yeah. the goosebump moment for me yeah. where. Um, yeah, exactly right. Paul is just sitting there with the bait, just almost not even like he's barely just like even strumming got it barely. Right. And he's going blah, 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 blah. blah. And it and it's you watch it turn into mm-hmm. sweet, Lamette, sweet Loretta Martin. And mm-hmm. and he starts like and these lyrics come and you were literally watching that song being created. It's far from my favorite Beatles song. It's pr- yeah. probably not even in my top 20 favorite Beatles songs, but it's, it's, I mean, it's an iconic song and just watching it be created right there. It's not something he wrote at home and brought into the studio. You're watching him make this iconic song like on the spot. And then it develops over the rest of the show. But yeah, that was just an amazing moment just to watch a genius. The guy's a friggin' musical genius. Well, yeah. When he's just- sitting at the piano, just starts playing golden slumbers like oh i got this one yeah. <laughs> and then oh ringo yeah. i was writing a song for you and it fucking carry this weight and he's like but it's faster and he's like yeah this, i thought you could do this one ringo <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and there, it's just nuts yeah nuts. there's a scene where um he's at, paul's in the background and i think john and and or george or somebody there there's a conversation going on by two two or three other people that the camera's focused on but in the background you hear McCartney playing one section of let it be like over and over again, working it out, coming up with it. And it's just, why are you fools filming that? That (laughs) that moment you say to, I think Ringo was saying, he's talking about how great of a pianist McCartney is. He's like, I could just watch him play for an hour and he's fumbling around finding let it be. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's it's the whole thing's just, yeah. There was a part where Yoko and Linda were having a conversation. You couldn't hear right yeah. behind them the beatles are like working out let it be and i was like you're having a conversation there that's let it be that they're just like <laughs> figuring out right yeah. now yeah it's worth watching just just for those moments to come up it's really really something and when billy yeah. preston shows up it really is that's kind of magic one part that i really loved was when john was singing across the universe and i think he's he's singing nothing's gonna change my world he's like i fucking hope so <laughs> or something <laughs> like that he just makes these remarks and yeah but yeah. it's kind of i don't know john is um <laughs> it's hard to watch john for parts of it um, yeah. Well, so that was kind of the height his of his head. heroin addiction, right? Yeah, he's yeah. yeah it's really part, the contrast between Paul and John is crazy mm. for like it's their vibes. Yeah, yeah. John, John, you'll really love the. They're talking about him formulating get back, and you know, no one's better than the Beatles at singing gibberish, and you know, and then mm-hmm. find the right words, you know, and 
also on the other, we know what the puzzle looks like, right? And they're finding the pieces, right? So, you know, they're, you know, get back is JoJo, you know, left his home in Tucson, Arizona. And the iterations of that line, like they come up, they come up with JoJo and then they try JoJo with a bunch of last names, JoJo Jackson, yeah. you know, <laughs> something, Arizona. But, so then they find wow. Arizona, right? And then, you know, they sing like gibberish Arizona, and I think I think when he says Tucson, he says Tucson's in Arizona, right? Paul says, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it is, right? So so they found they, they found, I just found that just the one yeah. time that through. But it's so much fun to hear them singing the gibberish, you know. And mm-hmm. you know what you said about John is true, BJ. But it's also, you know, you see his, uh, you know, he's that's a funny dude, man. Like he's oh, quick. God, his yeah. feet will say, you know, coming up, we got you know the the Rolly Bones or whatever. Like he's just making up all these things. You know, it's uh, it's really amazing to watch that. Well, I love the part when Paul comes up to me. He's like, you got to write some songs, man. We need some songs. And John's <laughs> like, well, Paul, you know I'm best when my back's against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. 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 It's Pretty great. Amazing. So, I mean, they, uh, getting back to the TV thing, I mean, that would be on my list yeah. of the top three. Of the, but I didn't put it on there just because okay. it's it's almost... You know, it's almost cheating putting that in there. I had a mm-hmm. feeling we'd talk about it. I um, I plan on getting to it immediately. We were we were in Utah all this week for Thanksgiving, and we were staying at my sister's house. And it just didn't feel like the right atmosphere to tell her and her family, can everyone quiet down? Because I'm going to watch <laughs> right. Get Back. Shut up. I want to watch the show <laughs> on your house. On Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't do it. I made my mom sit through it, my mom and uh, stepfather, for the first episode. I was like, all right, you know, you're not going to run the dishwasher, right? <laughs> two hours, you know, two and a half hours. We're going to just watch episode one, right? And I tried yeah. to frame it for them, you know, the Paul where the the, the part where, uh, you know, they have the row where, you know, George is like, I'll play whatever you want me to play or won't play at all. Whatever pleases you, right? I said, <laughs> I, I think that's as pointed as they get, actually, right? But, you know, in yeah, the they're still of- such gentlemen. When George walks out, there's no, Fuck you. Yeah. you know, it's, it's like, I think I'll be leaving now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just so gentlemanly. And well, Heidi yeah. just sent me a text saying, we're going to watch part three tonight. Right. So yeah, she's all in too. So Good. I mean, you really feel for George when he tries to present them you as do. songs and they just don't give a shit. And they are yeah. great songs. And oh they my just God, do not yeah. care, you know. They, they, yeah, at least Paul at least gives them a curse. Like John decides to waltz with Yoko rather than I know. play. You know, I know. what I mean? They, like, they it's really so are dismissive. Insult. They really are demeaning to George. And, uh, yeah, you really and they, do feel it. Like, even towards in episode three and stuff, like, whenever John refers to one of George's songs, he'll never have, like, he can't be bothered to remember the name, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're the blue song where we did George's number or whatever. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, PJ, the, the word dismissive comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to watch it. I did watch um, McCartney 321 last mm-hmm. week. And I was curious what your thoughts about that were because I like, I only liked it. I didn't think it was anything too special. And first of all, I thought, I thought there might, there was maybe one, interesting revelation per episode not and not all of them were even like like the get back moment it was more like oh that's interesting but some of it a lot i feel like at this point i mean paul is by far my favorite beetle but i feel like he's such a politician at this point that he is he's just carrying on he, he's just giving into the myth in a way he, he's sort of 
keeping the stories alive as opposed to like really digging and being vulnerable and telling the truth. That's how it felt to me that he was just kind of maintaining a, a mythos. I think there's some truth into that. I, I would just say at this point, I mean, he is an old man now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like all old men, you tell the stories often enough that you start to believe them. Right. True. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that he even really knows what's true anymore, because some of those stories he's been telling since the 70s and mm-hmm. and they're just easy. They're the easy way out. You know, yeah. when somebody, you know, I mean, you can imagine two years after the Beatles broke up, you're, you're being asked the same questions constantly and they're still being asked today, you know? Yeah. And, you know, at that point, trying to start a new career and trying to convince everyone that what you're going to do is going to be as good as the Beatles were. Now, I don't think he cares about that. I think he's at the point now where he acknowledges he'll never top that. Yeah. But in 1972, I don't think he felt that way. He was still a young man. And, and so a lot of these things were in their way, dismissive of the, not dismissive of the Beatles myth, but I think of just him trying to put his own spin on it. And he's told those stories so many times now that that's his truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you would, you would really have to sit down for like nine hours of picking at him Mm -hmm. to get, to chip away at at all of that. But I can't blame him for that. No, I mean, you know, especially after John died, he's the one left carrying that weight. True. Pardon yeah. Me. Right. Pun intended. Yeah. You know, I just. Uh, oh, go ahead, Eric. Just a question for you guys that have seen it so far. Um, and I don't generally notice people's clothing or whatever, but you know, at this stage in the game, uh, you know, George is wearing those crazy purple fur boots, right? You know, right? And he's got the the purple Big fur jackets, and, and the, you know, whereas. You know, and John has sort of outlandish clothes, a colorful Ringo, the red raincoat and so forth. Right. Um, but Paul is dressing like a proper English gentleman. He's got like <laughs> button up collar shirt with a vest, sweater vest. You know, he's wearing a, a, you know, a nice fitted overcoat and stuff. It's, you know, it's a clear contrast to where the other guys are. Did you notice that or am I reading into that too much? Uh, I think you might be reading maybe a little bit too much in there. There's there's one. <laughs> One scene where John shows up wearing the same clothes and he even yeah. comments on it <laughs> yeah. like he's like I'm dressing for continuity or whatever, yeah, which yeah. basically means he was just fucked up all night long and yeah, yeah. just rolled out of bed and showed up, you know, greasy hair and everything didn't late. bother to a couple change. hours late too, right? Yeah. Because that was but a they, while after George came and apologized for being late and then yeah, <laughs> John yeah. rolls in. Yeah. So, yeah. So to add to that, so they know they're being filmed. They know the world's going to see them, right? So there's a there's a difference. There's a different choice being made by George wearing clothes to be noticed versus Paul wearing clothes to be seen properly or however you want to phrase it. Right. That that definitely is a choice made by them. Hmm. Right. You don't think it's well, just an yeah. aspect of their personality. You think that it was intentional for that moment. I don't know. I didn't. I hadn't put it into words until just now. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that. Well, I think the other thing too is being a Beatle. You're basically filmed twenty four seven. There's always somebody taking pictures of you, including your wife, if if you're Paul McCartney, right? Um, so Beatles being photographed or filmed, I don't think is much of a novelty to their detriment in some ways, you know. And they were just so incredibly naive, you know. Oh, sure, we'll do a TV show in 14 days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like today, that would never happen. Yeah. You know, but. Okay. 
I wanted to ask one question. I uh, and this is unrelated. Well, sort of tangential. I've been noticing Pat Francis, our friend, must be watching it today because he's tweeting out. I've noticed a lot of things about how George comes off like a baby and he's his new least favorite Beatle and all George is doing is complaining. I haven't watched it yet, but that was kind of surprising to me. I feel like if of all the Beatles, George is the one whose stock has risen over the years. And I was curious, having not seen it myself, does George come off like a baby or negatively or like a whiner or something like I, that? I didn't think so. I think that's, but I saw that feedback from a couple of people that I respect like Pat, right? Mm -hmm. But I personally didn't see it that way at all. You know, there's, you know, he was always, I mean, I'm not gonna say anything you guys don't know, but he was younger, he was trying to find his voice. You know, they weren't giving him any ground or, you know, deference and so forth, right? He had a cache of songs ready to roll, which we found out the next year, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so, you know, and it perfectly makes sense. It was like, well, uh, you know, he's the one that leaves, you know, he's the one that's willing to get to that point first, you know? So, you know, I, I didn't see it as like a tantrum or babyish or, you know, I said whiny. I saw a few people comment that and I, I can see where people would say that, but, you know, in the context, I don't, to be fair, you know, I put myself in his shoes, his furry purple boots, shoes, right? You know, I, I can see where he's coming from. Okay. I wonder, yeah, that surprised me that take and I didn't know, I thought that was interesting. BJ, were you going to say something? Well, you know, it's almost like he's bullied to a certain extent, but also he's, um, how do you compete? Yeah, when yeah. Paul can just go over to the piano and start playing Long and Winding Road and Golden Slumbers and on and on, um, you know, I Me Mine is great. And he comes in. I love when he tells the story of how he was watching that thing on TV and he came yeah. up with this. But you see them just kind of, they don't care. They're disrespectful. Marginalized. Yeah, he just gets disrespected. And also yeah. he must, I mean, obviously he's not as good as Paul and John. Who is? You know, when John can come in with After the Universe, as fucked up as he is, how do you compete with that? Right. And I guess he is trying to, I think he is probably, well, I don't know if he's trying to compete. Do you think he's trying to compete or is he just trying well, to get I, his, I thought his it was, song included? He just wants I always to be thought included. It was, I always thought it was interesting that, I mean, he's got, all things must pass and isn't it a pity and some of these just not only some of the greatest songs he's ever written but i think if the beatles had recorded them they would have been some of the best songs that the beatles recorded mm -hmm. and yet they blow those things off and he ends up contributing i me mine which is fine mm -hmm. and uh and that <laughs> the blues song right which is totally forgettable and those are the two songs they go with. Like, yeah, I man. think, I think he just was like, well, screw it. I'm not going to give these guys any of my good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give them the, the song I came up with last night and this kind of blues ripoff thing mm. that I don't care about. Mm. Um, but I don't, I can't blame him for being frustrated when, when you've no, written songs as great as, as all things must pass and you can't get these guys to acknowledge them. Um, I, I, you know, as great as they, John and Paul are, they, they should have been able to listen to those songs and say, these songs are friggin' great mm -hmm. yeah. and encouraged him. And instead they don't. And so I don't, I can't blame him for any of, uh, of his attitude. There's also like, he's, there's a line where he says, when I'm talking about the rooftop set, he's like, you know, I don't want any to do any of my songs. Like he's also mm -hmm. like, he's almost, he's almost already checked out. Like he's yeah, not, yeah. 
or he's given up in some ways, right? He's resigned, if that makes sense, you know? So, you know, like Brad is saying, maybe he just, you know, I mean, mine and your blues or whatever, and he's dusts his hand and says, well, wait, you see what I do next, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in the third episode, he even talks about making a solo record, right? So, you know, when he returns back to the Beatles, you know, spoiler alert, like, you know, they can do this thing collectively, but they can also all individually do their things. And at this at this point in time at Apple, they were all doing these other fucking crazy side projects anyway, right? So, you know, I think he just was resigned to his role there. But having said all that, you know, one I think one of the awesome takeaways, Brad and BJ confirm this if you agree, <coughs> just watching them have a blast like there's so much footage of them smiling at each other off of each other right just the joy between them you know like you go into this watching it you know this is filming the Beatles breaking up and so forth right so you think it's going to be you know dour and, and whatever right but man when they're when they're connected the friendship is like palpable and the smiles are real and you know BJ said he cried several you know so did I throughout, right? And it was most mm -hmm. of those moments of, you know, sentimental joy watching these guys right. create and connect and yeah. appreciate each other. And and, and and knowing that, you know, two of those guys are gone mm -hmm. and we'll just never see that again. And that, frankly, I think almost every day now, I think there'll be a day sooner rather than later where McCartney will be gone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me to personally to fathom. And for me, let it be, the first time I saw that movie was at the Boston Beatles convention, December, 1980. And of course, you know, December, 1980, that's when John mm -hmm. Lennon was shot, right? This convention was held merely weeks after he was killed. Of course they planned it, you know, probably eight months before it takes a long time to plan a convention. And, uh, and I remember there was some debate about whether they would even have it, but they decided to move forward with it. And it was the first Beatles convention I ever went to. And I was in, I guess, 10th grade at the time. So I was still pretty young. And it was, it was part celebration and part uh, uh, like a funeral. It was a really weird vibe. And they showed Hard Day's Night and they showed Let It Be. Um, you know, just a whatever 16 millimeter film pro on some screen in some ballroom somewhere. And that was the first time I saw it. It was so depressing. I mean, it's kind of depressing anyway, but in that context, weeks after John was killed, it was super depressing. So for me watching this now, it really redeems so much. Um, those, those moments of, of when they're just, just, jamming and just having a great time is just it's so great to see that it it wasn't all horror mm -hmm. and misery and depression and anger and you know all the stuff that's sort of the legend that's built up over time by yeah. them too i mean they yeah. always they always said it was the most horrible thing they ever went through when you know you watch it you think well it's I mean, some of it doesn't seem like much fun but it certainly doesn't seem like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen lord knows what happened years <laughs> Years later, they all True. went through worse, worse than that. True. Um, any other final thoughts from anybody on Get Back? You know what? Just from a technical perspective, I'm not a studio engineer or whatever, but these guys going live without headphones and the, just the brilliance and the sound of these tracks 
it's really remarkable, right? You know, the, you know, just just the technical aspect of it. I certainly can't speak to it intelligently, but you know, again, they're not wearing headphones. They're just they're just vibing, you know, and they capture these performances and they sound the quality that they do, right? Yeah. No auto tune. Amazing. Yeah. 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 And then you know, it, and it's you know, it's probably you know, there are years and years of, you know, slogging it out in Hamburg and those clubs that made them just so tight with each other, right? Even on new songs, they have, you know, they have unspoken shorthands, you know, that, you know, only that collection of four guys. I also like the Jimmy Nichols reference. There's a few of those in there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but only those four guys could produce that, you know, just sitting around in a circle. Just absolutely incredible, technically speaking. All righty. Well, so um, let's talk about everything else that we watched this year. Um, first, first of all, we can before we go around in a circle giving our top three, which maybe all we need to do was talk about Get Back, but whatever, we're going to throw our top three shows on here sure. for the year as well. Um, there were some, now's a chance to sort of mention some honor, to throw out names of honorable mentions, maybe shows that are older that you kind of discovered this year, for instance, um, we uh because with lockdown we i finally saw game of thrones which i didn't watch in real time <laughs> mm-hmm. um and i liked it i uh it's not my thing that kind of fantasy stuff and farah my wife has read the books and so numerous times i had to ask her what was going on and where we were and what's happening and i found that this is true I wondered if any any of you, when you watch shows, just feel like I'm I'm not very smart, because some of my favorite shows, <laughs> Game of Thrones, another one is um, Succession. Do you guys mm-hmm. watch Succession? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Succession. I don't mm-hmm. understand what's happening half the time, but it's so deliciously written and acted that I, it's okay. And then I also recently started Deadwood, which I know BJ you love. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on in that show either half the time, but it's kind of interesting. And so anyway, am, am I just, I know that I'm not very intelligent, but does anyone else struggle watching TV shows sometimes too? Well, I don't think you're supposed to understand succession because really? no, I mean, that was, uh, that was one of my three I was going to talk about, but um, I don't love, I love a lot about it's succession, but yeah, one of the things I was going to say about it is I don't really know what the hell anybody's uh, motivations are or what they're supposed to be accomplishing or what the hell they're talking about half the time, but it's great writing and acting, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so I, I enjoy watching it. I mean, if, if it's like about the world of finance and all this stuff, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'd rather not know what the fuck they're talking about, you know? I'm glad, but uh, yeah, I don't, and Deadwood, you know, I mean, a lot of Deadwood is completely ridiculous. Um, like this, like all the swear engine stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I just, I, it was almost, I was watching, I just finished season one and I started the first episode of season two last night. And I thought this is almost Shakespearean mm-hmm. in the sense that it's written really well, but I'm not smart enough to know what anyone is really truly saying i think they're saying interesting things they're just doing it in a shakespearean way that's over my head i think both succession and deadwood are shows where the character no one in real life talks like those characters Mm -hmm. no one that's not how real people talk you know Mm -hmm. that's how you know 
um, eccentric writing. Mm -hmm. That's how characters who are are written by eccentric writer stock, mm -hmm. maybe. <laughs> yeah. So. Did you do you watch either of these things, Eric? I have not. Um, I was curious about Succession, um, but you guys aren't really. Oh, it's, oh the, it's it's very Succession fun to is watch. fantastic. It's and one of the best shows of the last yeah, week. It really it, it's yes. very fun to watch. Um, it's just that a lot of the a lot of the subtext, whatever you're supposed to understand about what's happening behind the scenes or like what I said, what the character's motivations are, I don't think you're really supposed to understand how we, I don't know. But, but there's maybe maybe that's part of the, the mm -hmm. objective, right? Because you're never gonna you're never gonna know fully. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're just going to see actions. But these characters, the character of Roman and the character of Cousin Greg and his <laughs> interaction with Tom, I mean, all that stuff is so great. It really is. So it's really worth it just for that, the quirkiness, yeah. and there's a lot of comedy. It's very, yeah. Some of it's very funny. Too. In fact, it takes you, you find yourself laughing, and for a while, you're not sure if you're supposed to because it feels <laughs> like such a serious, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, serious show, but you eventually realize it's got this strange funny underbelly to it that takes you by surprise i see it it's as a funny, show that's um, about power i i feel like yeah, that's the yeah. motivator because these people are never going to be poor it's just a matter of maintaining the power levels that their dad and all the different kids have they're fighting to just get that one little inch of power over somebody else who's fighting for the inch of power for their inch of power but these inches are compared to regular people who have no power, this is, it's just fighting up in the sky. It doesn't, it's not real, but it's so real to them. You know, these, it's a game of inches, power inches. That, well, that, it's funny how that, similar. That Sorry. really sounds, that really sounds like I would hate that. That is, you, exactly, you'll hate the no. characters, but well, you yeah. love the show. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is the yeah. uh, succession and Deadwood are actually very similar because they're incredibly vulgar and almost most of the characters are horrible people yeah <laughs> so. yeah but so deliciously horrible it's fantastic yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. entertaining yeah you what about you brad you haven't seen either of these shows uh no okay no i have not okay i always i'm like you're so lucky because you get to watch succession like from the beginning <laughs> or deadwood i'm, I'm yeah. jealous <laughs> you know <clears throat> can i get my first one Yes, it's, please. It's not a new one, and forgive me for that. But to, you know, talking about the vulgarity, you pull me back in with the vulgarity. I'm mm -hmm. currently wearing a shirt with a, uh, you know. Ah, uh, there you go. The uh, Polly Gaultieri on my. Uh, Polly Walnuts. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you know the Sopranos. I'm, I don't know if you guys have seen the Sopranos and mm -hmm. multiple times. Ad nauseum, but you know, I'm watching it with a first-time viewer. I watched it, you know, once last year during the lockdown, but I'm going through it now with uh, someone who hasn't seen it before. And we just saw the one spoiler alert where, you know, Tony has to kill his cousin, Tony, right. Blondetto and Abe just, you know, got killed. Right. So um, it's really interesting to watch it through the prism of a first time viewer, which I haven't in 20 years. Right. And this one of those shows, you know, like you said, John, when you're watching these shows, like Game of Thrones, where you feel stupid. And, you know, let me reframe that a little bit, because I think like there maybe Sopranos was the first one that, that I'm aware of, or maybe one that gets credited for doing this, you know, moved away from the writing style that relied on exposition 
and it's just showing you the actions and the performances and the subtext is on you to pick it up, right? Whereas, you know, versus like a law and order, a CSI where fucking Ice-T runs in and says, hey, look, here's a new piece of evidence. We found him and he's guilty, right? They just they just tell you the thing, right? And they, you know, they don't show you, you know, whereas The Sopranos and the, all these shows, you know, probably I think thanks to The Sopranos, you know, they, you know, it's on the character's faces. Like you're wondering what their motivations are. You know, they say one thing, you know, they're plotting a murder on the Sopranos will say, I don't know, rather than coming out and explicitly saying, you know, we got to murder this guy. Right. Um, I think, I think it's a style of writing that just moved away from just lazy exposition, you know, and I agree. It's not, not there's no formula. Right. It's like the wire, you know, if you, you know, you really got to be engaged. You can't half-ass watch the wire, you know, and that has, you know, different dialects depending on where they are in the strata and so forth. So you really got to be engaged on these shows. Game of Thrones too, right? Because, you know, all the factions and, you know, who are they aligned with now? Yeah. Right? It's, you know, you really have to pay attention. Yeah. You know, they're saying one thing, but they're meaning something different at times. Right. It's it's just a different era we're in. So I agree. I was going to mention The Wire because now The Wire, you go, you get thrown in, in the middle. I mean, it doesn't, it it's talking their lingo from the first second and it never lets up and it expects you to catch up to them, which I eventually did around the second season, second or third season. Um, My feeling is that Sopranos is probably the greatest TV show ever made and Wire is a close second. Sometimes they flip-flop. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. Um, And then maybe maybe Boy Meets World. Probably Boy Meets World. Uh, I would, maybe Three's Company is in there somewhere. No, uh, sledgehammer, sledgehammer. sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I don't think I ever saw that in real time. Actually, um, sledgehammer is on succession. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's out there. Yeah, but anyway, I felt like I eventually got the gist of what was going on in the wire. I've yet to feel that way on Deadwood and Succession. I know I don't, but I don't care because it doesn't. It's just so it's too delicious. I don't mind. I just like watching these people be horrible. You know, it's okay. All right. So that's your number three. BJ, you give us your number three. Yeah. My number three was succession. It was. What I, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Brad, what about you? What's your number three? Well, I didn't really rank them, but um, uh, I kind of tried to pick a few different types of things. Uh, um, one of the shows I really enjoyed this year, it's pretty obscure. It's on Peacock, mm. you know, the Peacock network. Mm-hmm. It's called Girls 5 Eva, mm. which is, uh, it's it's very much in the vein of like a 30 Rock. It has that Tina Fey style rhythm to it. Just jokes that just machine gun at you, mm-hmm. both visual and, and uh in dialogue um it's about a uh what was a five-piece girl band right you're like you're like the spice girls right Mm -hmm. that are now 20 years past and they're they're trying to get their careers back together and one of them is actually dead so there's only four of them um but it's just a great cast it's uh it's i think hilarious if anyone who has any interest in the music business as, as we do, I think you just find it pretty, pretty hilarious. It's, you know, unless you have Peacock, I don't know where you would watch it. Um, I have Peacock just because it's free on 
uh, Comcast, but um, worth checking out. It's pretty that's fun. good. Pretty funny show. That's, that's my sitcom that. of the year. Okay. Okay. Tina, Tina Fey is one of the executive producers. Yeah, she doesn't write it, but she is an executive producer. But you can feel that fingerprint, that kind of 30 Rock sensibility. If you hated 30 Rock, you wouldn't like it. If you, mm. But if you enjoyed 30 Rock, if you like that Tina Fey style, it's it really tastes like that. I love it. And I've met, I've heard really good things about that show and forgot all about it. Speaking of which, does anyone, has anyone watched Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. Tina Fey? Is yeah. that a good, I've, that's on my list to watch too. And I haven't done it, but I, I'm such a Tina loyalist that I want to do it. Is I it watched, worth it? I watched some of the first season maybe, but I didn't really make it. Yeah, okay. I didn't make it. I thought the theme song was one of the funniest things ever though. <laughs> It's great. It's the worth theme watching song the first is a, episode just is an auto-tuned clip from the news, you know? Oh. Uh, the, the theme song is one of the funniest things ever. It's okay. so funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, good. I think my third, I've been going back and forth. My my top three could change order depending on my mood, but I think for number three, I'm going to go with Normal People. If I don't know if anyone ever watched that. It was an Irish show that came out, I think, last year two seasons, 10 episodes, I believe each one's only a half hour long. And it just follows this guy and girl for about five years of their lives from now, this is Ireland. So I'm not, I don't know the exact comparison, but it's basically the end of high school into college. And um, he's sort of a more popular athletic type. She's sort of a outcast a little bit, doesn't have a lot of friends. They become friends. They become they, they're kind of each other's sexual awakening. And, um, but they're, he's afraid to admit to his cool friends that he is, has this special girl on the side because she's not, you know, as cool as they are socially. And I think because of that, they get off on the wrong foot and they never quite, so it's a big like, will they or won't they? But it's so beautiful and it's so sweet to watch these normal people um, grow and deal with things and tiptoe around their love and affection for each other. Uh, it's very sexy, which is not so bad because the girl's really cute in it. And, um, but I just thought it was a really special show that just made my heart want to burst every episode. And it's easy to get through. Now I will say Farah, my wife didn't like it, but most people I've talked to who've seen it loved it. And I was one of them. It's a really beautiful show. It's on Hulu. Very nice. Oh, Hulu. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, Eric, what's number two for you? Um, just along the same flavor, you reminded me of one that I really enjoyed is uh, on Netflix. It's Sex Education. Hmm. And yeah. season three of that just came out. I haven't gotten into that too much, but uh, season one and two, like you said, it's these normal people, right? But it's it's a sort of a teenage boy his mom is uh jillian anderson and she's like a sex uh dr ruth type right an author and a sex educator right and he sort of becomes kind of an unofficial sex educator sex educator in his high school right mm. you know basically and you know he goes into a bathroom stall and someone goes in the stall next to him like a confessional and they tell him his problems and he comes up with solutions for them right and it's you know it's it's funny it's you know i think it's british right um mm -hmm. but it's you know, it's, it's got an incredible heart. 
like you know there's there's sexy moments there's uh the farce of sex like the first time you have sex and you know all these things and but there's also these really just well written like amazing romantic stories of you know young love and even older love second love right his mom's divorced and finding a new guy and you know um there's a journey of one and his dad not approving his dad's uh you know sort of a headmaster uh stern type and you know uh, and he's sort of oppressed sexually oppressed right and you know, all of these journeys of these characters just has so much heart and there's so much comedy in it. That's just incredible. Right. And there's, you know, cute girls and whatever. Maeve is absolutely fucking stunning. Right. Um, but, you know, sex education is just, you know, I've watched that show and it's it's so I don't maybe I'm getting older or whatever, but I'm so sentimental about so many things that I just cry at the fucking drop of a hat or a breeze. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's so many episodes in that where I cry because there's this nostalgia of young love and like discovering these things. And, you know, the first time, you know, whatever you call a girl or you yeah. know, the, all that stuff. And they they capture the feeling of it, yeah. I think, so effectively. So, yeah, sex education. Have you guys seen it? No, I'm going to you've had me intrigued because everything you're saying is expressing how I felt about normal people. Just that, my heart wanting to burst for these people. You just and the first love and the young love and the sexual awakening and the, the social politics of a cool guy and kind of a, you know, a wallflower girl or whatever. And it's so true. I relate yeah, to everything you just said. There's humiliation in it. Yeah. That you feel right. There's uh, yeah, it's, it's so good, you know, yeah. uh, near misses romantically. Yeah. yeah I, watched guys... the, I watched the first season, um, which I really liked. We haven't gone back and watched the, uh, the other two yet, but it's certainly on my to-do list. Did you guys yeah. watch love on Netflix? I did. I loved. I love loved that show. That was a great love show. That show. Yeah. Yeah. Just reminds me of that, you know, like the dorky guy with mm -hmm. the girl. Yeah. 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 But that's much more of a comedy show, but it's so great. It is. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, what do you have for number two, BJ? Well, I, one that I watched that came out this year that people probably don't know about or wouldn't expect to be good is a show on um, Apple TV called The Mosquito Coast. Mm, I heard about <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. And yeah. So, but I don't have Apple TV, so I've missed mm. it. It's, I guess it's a, I guess what in the first season of the show takes place before the movie, I guess. And um, Justin Thoreau, the, who stars in it, his uncle Paul Th is Paul Thoreau, who wrote the book. But the show is, I mean, it's, it's, it's close to Breaking Bad in the way that the characters get into these situations where you don't, you know, how are they ever going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, remember how Breaking Bad was like that so much where, mm -hmm. and um, so there's a lot of like action and tension, um, but it's great writing, great acting. Uh, the story's really cool. You don't really know what's going on. They're hiding from the government. They're running from the government. You don't really know why. It's the two parents and two kids, and uh, they end up in Mexico. Then they get they get on the wrong side of the wrong people in Mexico, and you know, shit goes real bad. So, I think it's a really cool show, and I wouldn't expect. I don't even know why I started watching it. I must have just been really bored or something. But because uh, I wouldn't ex I wouldn't see a show called The Mosquito Coast on Apple TV and think this is going to be something I'd be interested in. So it's it's way better than I expected it to be. Um, had you read the book and seen the film like you were already a fan or I, th I th yeah when I was back then when I was a kid I th I do remember reading the book and I 
I'm sure just because it was Indiana Jones or whatever, <laughs> you know, because uh, it was Harrison Ford. That's probably the only reason why. I think that was one of those movies that wasn't big in the theater, so it was on cable constantly, right? <laughs> the Mosquito <laughs> Coast, yeah. Um, so I don't really remember much about the movie. I guess maybe I started watching it because I watched The Leftovers this year mm. or finished, I, yeah, which is Justin Theroux. I don't know. I don't really know why I started watching it, but I was hooked after the first episode. Sometimes I come home from work and I just want to watch something before I go to bed, you know? Yeah, so. But yeah, I think that's a great show, actually. Okay. Way better than you would expect it to be. Okay. Um, yeah. I was really intrigued because I like the movie so much. I personally think it's Harrison Ford's best acting is in that movie. But um, yeah, we don't have Apple TV, so I don't get to see Morning Show or Ted Lasso or any of those things. I'm curious it's Ted like Lasso. Five ninety nine, right? <laughs> is it? I think that on I top of the other cheap. all yeah, the I other know. ones. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it eventually. Uh, okay, so my number two, um, and this could have been number one as well, uh, Dope Sick. Has anyone watched Dope Sick? It's on Hulu. No, it's on my to-do yeah, list. I know it's it, Michael Keaton, but I have Yeah. Yeah. It's intense, and um, it gets better as it goes, and it's probably Michael's best. He's my favorite actor of all time, but I've hmm. I see everything that he's in, but I'm not so in love with him that I... No, think he's like the greatest actor of all time. I just love his presence, especially in comedy. But this is easily, I think, his best performance. He's he starts out as a uh, you know a small town doctor um, in West Virginia that's trying to help people, and um, the company that makes OxyContin is just pushing heavily to get people to take it, and they deny that it's um, addictive, and it just wreaks havoc on the world or the mm. country, especially Michael Keaton's part of the country, he eventually becomes addicted to it himself and has to build back his own life. And it just gets more intense and sadder and you get angrier as it goes. And I was watching it during <clears throat> uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff. And the two of them just solidifying, I think we're all on the verge of, extreme anger a lot these days <laughs> and it was just those two things and you realize why is it so hard for the right thing to happen for the right thing to transpire why is it so hard for a kid who with an illegal gun and he kills people to get in trouble for it you, it's so obvious why does a big company who reaps the financial rewards off millions of people dying or having their lives devastated through something they created that they know is bad for them. Why is it so hard to make, to hold their feet to the fire? You know, good does not will out often enough. And it was just making me so sad and angry. Maybe I'm not selling this show very well, actually, yeah, because, right <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's an incredible yeah, I movie. I need less it's, of that, not more. I know, it's <laughs> yeah. true. It's true. It's true, but it's so good. And it's, uh, you know, I love Rosario Dawson. She's great in it. Peter Sarsgaard. There's lots of incredible mm -hmm. actors in it. And it's just devastatingly sad, but also kind of hopeful by the end. But you just watch it thinking, why is our, in our world, it is so difficult for the right thing to transpire. And it shouldn't be. It makes me mad. 
I've I've heard uh, anecdotally from a friend who has a you know partner who's going through addiction currently, just ping me and said, "Have you watched Dope Sick?" And I you know I said I know, but I get the impression that it's hitting it right on the nose, right? And she said yes. So whatever their you know rendition of that is or portrayal of that addiction, you know I think it it sounds genuine. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's not it. Uh, that's one of the things I like about it is that it doesn't feel sensational. It feels very real. You really relate with people who are becoming addicted to this, that they feel they're going to die, whether they have it or they don't have it. Okay. And um, their lives are just in shambles afterwards. And the other thing, and I, I mean, no offense to anybody, but there's a faction of like one of the people, one of the characters in the show is a young girl who becomes First of all, she comes from a very religious family. Her parents are diehard Christians and she is a lesbian and her coming to terms with her sexuality was already a big enough challenge for her parents to accept because there are these diehard born again. And then she becomes addicted to Oxy and it ruins her life even more. And her parents represent a large group of our country who when the chips are down like that, their response is to pray harder and to pray more and to pray with more certainty and more humility and maybe more often and with a more broken heart and not to say anything against religion or Christianity or whatever, because I am, I'm there too, but you just realize how empty and how worthless saying a prayer is for somebody who is in the throes of addiction, you know? I mean, you can do that to solve, to maybe help your own soul or to throw it out in the universe, but there in no practical way is it going to solve this issue. And you realize anyone in this show who's saying, I'll pray, because it takes place in West Virginia, there's a lot of these people. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for your family. We'll pray harder, whatever. And you just realize how empty that solution is. It's not a solution ultimately. And I feel bad. They And these people could be, shown as evil you know the bad guys they're not they're just misguided it's just that's their expression of dealing through pain is to pray and you realize it's not going to do anything not in this case addiction to oxycontin is much bigger than a prayer so anyway is there is there um you know is prayer used as a nefarious shield like uh thoughts and prayers after gun violence while they're taking an nra check is it used in that way? Kind of. It's just, it, it's primarily through this one girl's parents who are, you know, they bless their food and they're having, a, they're hoping that if they pray harder, their daughter won't be a lesbian anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you didn't used to be when you went to church with us, you know, you, we didn't, you weren't attracted to girls, but then you became more of the world and got a, you know, getting it twisted. And now you like girls and you take oxy and, uh, the church community should be able to solve this. If we go to Bible study, we'll find the right scripture and we'll make it all okay. And you just, those, these are just, that's not how these problems get solved. It is an interesting aspect of human nature. It's, you know, throwing, uh, you know, good money after bad, right? It's, I just got to have, I just got to double down on my faith. Yeah. I got to, not, not like you're saying, not just try something else that's practical. You know, I'm just not praying hard enough. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting channel some people take. Well, coming from a 
deeply religious ba background and who's still sort of in it, I relate to that. I mean, we beat ourselves up as Christians, as churchgoers, like if things are hard in our life, we need to pray more, we need to fast more, we need to sacrifice more, we need to hu humble ourselves more, we need to read more scriptures, we need to do all these, if we do all these steps more, with more intent, more focus, then right. God will hear our prayer and save us from whatever, and it just doesn't, it can't possibly work that way, you That's know? Like a good way to keep people complacent and uh, while yeah. you exploit them. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Brad, what you got for number two? Well, it's interesting you talk about Dope Sick because that was that's one of those shows where I look and I'd say, I I I should watch that, but yeah. I can't quite get myself to press. It feels play. like work. I know. Not no no not oh, that no. it feels like work, but that it will hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as BJ said, I need less of that <laughs> in my life right now. Um, which is, you know, I see it as kind of a cop-out in myself, but I've stopped watching a lot of news and listening to NPR and all the stuff that I used to do because it's just this endless stream of disappointment at best and of just enraging yourself at worst. And, um, you know, I just believe that hate and anger only you know, they, they hurt you more than you hurt anyone else. And I just can't take being angry anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so the one the, another show that I picked purely because it's like comfort food. And I'm not saying it's the, it, that it's a great show in the way that I don't necessarily think pot roast is great cuisine, <laughs> but it warms your heart. And uh, and that's um, only murders in the building which mm -hmm. is on Hulu. Mm -hmm. Martin Short, Steve Martin, Selena Gomez. Um, just a bunch of old codgers with a hot young girl. Um, and it's, it's, I just thought it was really entertaining and like comfort food, just one of those things that was just, you know, just made, was just a joy to watch. Yeah. You know, again, yeah. not saying that it, that it's, that it's great. But it it just filled that thing of just like, you know, a feel good kind of thing, um, even though it involves murder. Uh, I just <laughs> thought it was really just, just, you know, that for the half hour that it's on, just kind of you know, shut off the troubles of the world. And I just found it pretty entertaining for that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I had a lot of fun. I watched it with my kids and um, there's just nothing better sometimes, especially watching Martin Short do his thing. There's just no one funnier. And when he and Steve Martin are, you know, working together, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Um, and, and I have a very low tolerance for Martin Short. Oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to me, this is like, this is just the right amount of oh, Martin Short. Just for me, there the wasn't mix. enough Martin Short. Yeah, I liked it yeah. better when he was in more, but yeah. He's okay. one of my favorite he was, people ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I find him like so over the top sometimes that I just I can't get into it. But I thought he was it. great here. Um, yeah, there, there's a, a couple of episodes sort of towards the end where Jane Lynch comes in and she has played Steve Martin plays an actor in this show and she played his stunt double. 
uh, in the show that he used to be in. And, uh, and that just adds a whole nother yes. level of com of comedy to the show. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jane Lynch is great, but um, I like Sting yeah. has some funny cameos yeah. in there playing himself, a funny version yeah. of himself. I thought that was great too. Have either of you guys watched only murders in the building? I watched the first couple, but that's as far as I okay. have got. I'm curious. Um, I do have events. Has anybody gone down the Jiminy Glick YouTube rabbit hole? Recently, <laughs> I, I recently have. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a fun one to go. He's down. great. Yeah. Good. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that one, Brad. That's a good reminder. Um, Eric, what you got for number one? Uh, well, I didn't really rank them. Uh, okay. Well, whatever. I, you know, I could, there's a couple I could go with. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a documentary I saw on Netflix about capitalism called Squid Game that was really interesting. Mm, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> uh, I could talk That's about great. that, uh, which is coming back for season two. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Your Honor, I really like that show. You know, you mentioned Breaking Bad. This is that Brian Cranston show that's mm -hmm. on Paramount, maybe. He plays a judge where his his son hit and runs and kills the son of coincidentally like the town's, you know, Tony Soprano. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Cranston's character basically tries covering up a murder. It's got Carmen Jogo in it. And I fucking love her. It's got, uh, 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 she from the wires. Oh yeah. 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 Clay, Clay Davis. No, it, it's, uh, Clay. Yeah. Oh. I can't think. I'm thinking of the character's name from The Wire, but the one that's yeah. just she. Like he he plays uh he plays his best friend. That was really good. It's called Your Honor. Um, I don't have a ton to talk about on that. I've you know I've seriously enjoyed all the Marvel shows. Brad and I can probably go back and forth on that, but you know mm -hmm. there are a lot of fun out of The Mandalorian. I'm looking forward to the Boba Fett show. You know, um, yeah, but you know I think. I think Your Honor would probably be my third pick. And I think that's coming back to the second season. That was really good. So. good. I'm curious if anyone on here, we've, it, we've had more talk about kind of funnier sitcom-y shows than I thought. Has anyone on here watched Hacks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We loved Hacks. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Brad? Did you watch Hacks? I watched the first, we watched the first three episodes and I thought it was good, but there's just so many other things that it didn't quite cut the, the final cut for me you know it's just mm -hmm. i mean we are really in we're beyond peak tv now where yeah. we're we're just like you know there's just too much to watch too yeah. much even if it's good sometimes you just don't get around to it you know what yeah. i mean because there's so much other great stuff and depend it doesn't really matter what you're into whatever you're into there's plenty of it out there yeah you know yeah, we I really mean, like tax can i ask a question sure maybe kind of what you were saying john you know, there's just so much depressing stuff. And, you know, Brad's pick, the only murders, murders only in a building. I forget what the name of that is, but yeah. um, you find yourself just like, you just want to watch brainless, you know, like I find myself watching friends or the nanny, you know, I just find <laughs> myself just zoning out, just watching brainless things. They tend to have pretty women on, I'm not going to lie, but you know, I find myself <laughs> watching sitcoms just, you know, and I'll realize like, oh man, I've watched like three episodes of Friends in a row, not having seen them before or whatever. I don't right. watch them in a day necessarily, but you know, I find myself zoning out just because I want to escape and not think about the subtext and you know, like the succession motivations and the darkness of morality. And 
I just want to watch like, you know, these pretty people do these silly things and make jokes that no one would really ever make in real life. That's interesting that you <laughs> asked that. Cause I think, um, I mean, I also, that I might go to movies more for escape. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, any movie, it's so funny. I, um, I watch a lot of movies on Tubi, which is because they have, I'll watch any movie that was made or released in the eighties. I don't care. I, the other day I watched some movie called side by side that had Merle, uh, Milton Berle, uh, Sid Caesar and Danny Thomas, and they were making clothes for senior people. And it was, but I watched it because it was made in 1988. And I thought, sure, I'll watch that. I don't even care. So when I do movies are more the escape for me than, um, TV, I think, when TV comes around, I, I am probably one of these terrible people who has become sort of addicted to this, or I don't know if addicted is the right word, but to this sense of kind of anger that's sort of brewing inside. And so I do still listen to NPR or my number one show falls into this a little bit too. I do probably still pay too much attention to some political things or Twitter or whatever to feed that beast. I wish it, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. Yeah, same here. I probably spend, I don't know, two hours a day on political content, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, what's your number one, BJ? Um, have any of you guys seen Search Party? Mm, no. I watched the first season and I thought it was just okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was, that's, that's the one I put at number one. Um, the fourth season was pretty over the top. I like the third season from last year more, um, but that show is really, it's, it's just completely ridiculous. Oh God, it's hard to describe. It's about these friends, I guess. I don't know. Are they millennials? I guess. Probably. I mean, I think it's kind of making fun of millennials. So it's about these four friends and they're all just very selfish and self-absorbed and uh, they get them, they get into these situations. It starts out where they're, the one girl is obsessed with finding this girl she knew from high school or something who goes missing. Mm -hmm. Then they get themselves into all kinds of trouble that plays out. You know, the third season, they end up on trial. The two of them end up on trial for murder. And Louis Anderson is their lawyer. And it's just, I mean, that the third season, what I wrote down, it's episode, episode nine of the third season has one of the funniest things ever. Mm -hmm. um, that Did you guys watch Silicon Valley? Mm -hmm. yeah silicon valley is one of my favorite shows ever and there's <laughs> in season one episode eight of silicon valley there's this scene if you just google mean jerk time it's on, it's on youtube that's the funniest thing ever and this part from search party probably is number two it's a similar thing it just made me it made me laugh as hard as that silicon valley scene did so mm -hmm. you know there's just i mean uh, i guess I'll, it's it's the same as with music as it is with tv for me is some episodes are better than others and there's just certain parts that I love more than the other parts, and, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, search party is over the top and very funny and fun to watch. Sure. <laughs> you know, the fourth season, the one character Dory is kidnapped. The one, the, the gay character ends up pretending to be a conservative. So he could be on a Fox news type channel. The, Oh, the other friend is playing Dory in a movie. So Dory, the main character, that's Aaliyah shock had or whatever you know from uh -huh. um Rest oh. she was a, she was on a 
I just know she, she was the cousin on um, what's it called? Arrested, Arrested Development. Yeah, maybe. So, so she's maybe. the main character, Dory. So she's been kidnapped, and then their other friend is playing Dory. She's an actress. She's playing Dory in a movie about. <laughs> it's, it's really over the top. Um, it's pretty fun to watch, though. <laughs> I think I like it's it. on HBO Max now. It started out on some other. I think it was on TNT or something at first, and then moved to yeah. HBO. Yeah. I've yeah. always had a thing for Aaliyah Shawkat, so I, I oh, yeah. watch most things she's in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, good. I, I have that on my watch list. I just haven't gotten back to it. I liked, didn't love the first season, and I didn't know how much further you could go with it. I, I get the impression the show is, is more about watching these sort of, again, going back to kind of unappealing characters. Mm -hmm. These unappealing millennial types that seem so kind of ignorant to real life deal they're all with completely self-absorbed that's it all, yeah it's self-absorbed in their own ways <laughs> so it's more a comment on them than it is mm -hmm. like whatever yeah. the point of the show is mm -hmm. like self-absorbed to the extent where they would record like an hour-long podcast <laughs> favorite tv shows that and expect people just... to listen to all right them. fine <laughs> I, I won't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh. It's funny. I have I, I have a lot of friends. I thought I was going to try and do one of these almost every weekend till the end of the year, or at least till Christmas, just to reconnect with friends and podcast friends and try and find different topics. But you're talking me out of this, Eric. No, no, I no. no. I, won't. <laughs> I remember when Craig, Craig and I, on our before we did our first episode, he likes to reference this. Like he said, oh, we'll just talk. We won't have notes. And I remember saying to him, and he brings it up, me saying, like, I don't think people want to listen to us just talk. Yeah. And I, I don't like, know. I they can they always do. delete it. I think I think they do. And I was like, yeah. Who wants to hear my dumbass opinion about the fourth track on side two of Love Gun, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody. I've just put it out there. And if people want it, they can listen. If they delete it, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love these. And it's a, you know, it's also a document to our uh you know, our friendship, right? We can go back and listen to these and, you know, remember times should we ever need to and so forth, right? It's fun. I'm just busting yeah. ball. Good. Okay, um, I'll pick my number one. I think my number one show of the year, I'm curious if anyone else watched it, was uh, Impeachment. The American Horror Story <laughs> Impeachment. No one's shaking their, everyone's shaking their head. Yeah, that um, was the, yeah. Oh God, having lived through it once. Yeah, well, I don't know yeah. if I want to go back. <laughs> it uh so here's the deal i've never watched any of the actual american horror story shows i don't watch any of those but the one they did on oj a few mm -hmm. years ago i thought was so incredible so entertaining and um this one about the impeachment monica Lewinsky and bill clinton was almost as good not quite as good but it was almost as good and it's just fascinating to relive <laughs> for better or worse brad that period and um, in a dramatic way where it's all based on reality. It's not taking any, you know, there's no uh, poetic license here. It's restating, it's acting out the facts. And um, everyone does a really great job. Clive Davis or um, Clive Owen, who's also one of my very favorite actors, as Bill Clinton is in really incredible. And his name, Beanie Feldstein, Jonah Hill's, uh sister who's monica Lewinsky, felt like an odd casting mm. choice at first but she's actually really good and then sarah paulson who was the star of the oj one as marcia clark 
is the star of this one too as Linda Tripp. She's mm. incredible. And I just, it's so uh, going back, it's delicious, but it is recounting this part in our history that we all just kind of forgot about and, uh, or not forgot, but you know, you forget a lot of the details. I loved it. It's so good. Wow. Is that, so Mary, is, is that Ryan Murphy? That's the yeah. guy who yeah. does all those, right? So is it the same? Like, I think Jeffrey Tubin wrote the OJ one, right? That was based on his book. Yeah, I think so. I, again, I'm not a Ryan Murphy completist, so I don't want, I've never seen Nip Tuck. I don't watch any of those other things, but, but there's, I, a flavor, there's a flavor to his style. Yes, there is. And, um, and if you watch the OJ one, <laughs> that got really good reviews and won a lot of Emmys and seemed very beloved. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. this would be similar and it really is. It's, it's very yeah. similar. So yeah, that actually makes me want to watch a little bit. I did enjoy the OJ one. Yeah. Um, and I had forgotten like you said, it kind of brings you back to, I forgot that that happened. Yes. You know, the, the, the lunacy of some of the events within that, you know, chapter of our history. Yeah. I'm sure that's a thing for impeachment. And there, you know, there's conversations, there's a room with, you know, Kenneth Starr and um, Brett Kavanaugh was on the, the group of lawyers that was, you know, again, working on this, which I didn't remember or know about. And they're discussing the, <laughs> the hugely intimate details you, we've i forgot about the cigar like the mm -hmm. cigar yeah. comes up in conversation you know yeah. you think oh my gosh i forgot all about the cigar and you're yeah. watching these lawyers talk about the cigar and then you're watching it come up in court and you're watching uh the clintons having to discuss it just it's so you really get a feel for how uncomfortable it must look i mean I, I hate Donald Trump more than, and, and his ilk more than anything, but the Clintons are garbage as well. Clinton should have resigned. And then he kind of, you know, he started this train rolling where they could just do whatever and there aren't consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously he should have resigned. <laughs> that's, they, I mean, that's yeah. the end of it. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's garbage. And the, the actress that plays Paula Jones, you really feel for Paula Jones. It's just fascinating. I really, really recommend it. It was great. Yeah. I, um, there's also, speaking of Monica Lewinsky, too, one fun fact. Um, I think she probably wouldn't mind me sharing. I think she talked about a show. Our friend Courtney Cronin Dold, I th she was friends with Monica Lewinsky. Maybe they graduated high school together. Really? Oh, really? We talked mm -hmm. about on I think one of our episodes or at the expo or something, huh. but um, for, pardon me, forgive me, Courtney, if that wasn't a public thing, but I think it was. I think she talked about it. On that um, but there's also 15 minutes, 15 minutes of shame. There's a documentary on Netflix, um, and I hate the term cancel culture because that's been uh, usurped. But there's a great documentary called 15 Minutes of Shame that she's a producer on, and it basically talks about you know, someone has an incident, something to get caught up in the zeitgeist of social media or whatever, rightly or wrongly. And then, you know, their life gets basically decimated as a result of it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and they profile a few stories like that, you know, and, you know, imagine being judged by the world indefinitely for the worst 15 minutes of your life, let's say. Right. Um, you know, it's it's really compelling. I think it's one of those things you know, in terms of modern media literacy that I think we should all watch. It's called 15 Minutes of Shame. And it's not just her story. She kind of frames it a little bit, 
and there's, I don't know, maybe six or eight vignettes about various people. Um, I would recommend that. And Monica Linsky is one of the producers of that. I think, okay. I think all three of you guys would appreciate it. I think I watched it. There's an amazing book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. And I think yeah. some of the stories in that are from yeah, that book. Is... I thought of too, Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, in, he's one of the, he's one yeah. of the heads in that. In that. Yeah. I love that book. I mean, if you, anybody who has Audible, if you want something to listen to, there you go. That book is really great. And before I forget, John, you mentioned Michael Keaton being one of your favorite comics. If you've never seen it on Netflix, uh, Norm MacDonald has a show called Norm MacDonald has a show. And he would he would interview guests. And he was a he was an amazing interviewer, believe it or not. Really? He had, he had Michael Keaton on one of those episodes, just maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Uh, but it's it's an interesting look at Michael Keaton comedically. Right. Norm has him read jokes. They had every guest read jokes. So if you haven't seen Norm and Michael Keaton and Norm praises him as one of the best standups of all time. So you would, I think you would really like that. I should, I, there used to be a Norm podcast, which may mm -hmm. have been the audio of that show. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Well, he, to... yeah, he had a few, but this, this one was, this one was produced by Letterman just for Netflix. Oh, okay. Norm McDonald has, there's like maybe eight episodes. It's like okay. more, uh, I'll check uh, it out. He's got Billy Joe Shaver, which is a crazy guest. Right? Wow. Um, Letterman, forget who was on that particular show. Okay. Uh, Jane Fonda. Um, yeah, he kisses Jane Fonda. It's really cool. Ooh, wow. Yeah, you should. It was, it's a lot of fun. But Michael Keaton, particularly, I think he would like that one, John. Okay, I'll watch it. Um, Brad, take us home. What's your favorite show of the year? Uh, well, a couple of couple honorable mentions before I get to it. Um, just. At random, um, there's a show on Amazon that we watched it earlier this year. It probably is from 2020 called The Wilds. It's about a bunch of girls on an island. Mm. And I just thought as a, you know, 50 plus year old man, that's what it's like to be a teenage girl in the 2010s, 2020s. I thought this show kind of really showed you the horror of what it's like thank god i'm not in high school these days um so that was worth checking out um i've never been a big bang theory watcher but um kaylee coco was on that show i think and um i just thought she was great in both the flight attendant this year and she does the voice of harley quinn in the harley quinn animated show so between those two things i thought she was rocking it this year um mayor of Easttown, i thought was great on hbo yeah, ask you guys about that. Yeah. um yeah that almost made my list um the show evil did you guys ever watch the show evil um it was on like cbs or something now it's moved to paramount but that is just a completely bonkers show um good cast uh michael emerson who was on lost play Ben Linus and Lost plays kind of like this bizarre villain on that show, but that's worth checking out. Um, but I guess my, my favorite show this year, um, as Eric said, I, I'm a huge comic book fan. I'm a huge science fiction fan. Those are really my two genres, my, my two wheelhouses, which I kind of intentionally steered clear from, from my other picks, but I wanted to pick at least one, uh, one sci-fi show uh and my favorite show of the year this year is foundation which is based on the isaac asimov series it's on apple tv so probably half the world is never going to watch it but 
Uh, I really like it. It stars um, Lee Pace. If you know Lee Pace from, he was in one of the Marvel movies. He was in Pushing Daisies. And yep, where where he was totally charming. And he would catch fire. Is that Halton? Yeah, where he was kind of a villain almost. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not a not a lovable guy in that show. So, I mean, the guy has range and and he's really good in this in this show. Um, It's it's a Game of Thrones esque in that it's it's the story really spans a thousand years of history. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, I mean, if you like sci-fi at all, I highly, highly recommend it. It's, it deviates quite a bit from the book, but all in good ways. Um, so that's, that's my favorite show of the year. Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. Okay. He was Ronan the Accuser. I didn't know that. He was Ronan the Accuser. Yep. Yep. Underneath all that makeup, but great actor. And he plays the emperor uh, in this show. Was also in the Hobbit movies. Really, Thranduil, the Elven King, in the Hobbit trilogy. Huh. Anyway, okay. Foundation. I wanted to mention one. I am curious. One other thing I meant to mention before. Um, does anyone on here watch Last Chance U? You know, no. It's a Netflix show. Um, it's uh, there's quite a few seasons of it now, seven, maybe six, wow. seven, eight seasons of it. And it's um, the first few seasons. It, it focuses on a season, a football season at a junior college. And the, um, the kind of the guys that play football, no one goes to junior college without a hope of making it to, you know, the next level to uh, uh, what's it called for, to a regular school, a regular university where you're going to get played on TV and chance to go to the pros. And, uh, and it's largely, they, the episodes largely, the seasons take place in the South. So it's a lot of kind of underprivileged black kids from, you know, broken homes or whatever, a lot of crime and everything in the past. And they're trying their best to juggle school and their grades and their football team and their families that a lot of them are messed up and it's you get so invested on in how they're playing and the game and if they win and the coaching and all this kind of stuff it is so incredible i love um this show last chance last chance you it's done by a guy named greg whiteley who if anyone saw new york doll the documentary on uh, arthur killer mm-hmm. kane from new york mm-hmm. dolls mm-hmm. um greg whiteley made that documentary He's a Mormon, okay. and he made another docu-series similar to Last Chance You called Cheer, I think it is, about cheerleaders in junior colleges. Uh, anyway, fascinating stuff. It's one of my favorite shows. If, if you had to choose between Last Chance You and Fish is Safe Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. That is tough. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I've seen the fish that saved Pittsburgh probably 30 times in my life. It's your movie, man. <laughs> so I don't know. You know what? A funny little thing about fish that saved Pittsburgh. If I, it's not for free because it's not streaming anywhere. If you buy it, it's like $9.99 for the SD version. If you rent it, it's like $4.99 for the HD version. Ah. 
I think that doesn't make any sense. If I buy it, I should get the HD version. That should be reversed. So I've never bought it. I still own it on VHS. So I never watch it because no one ever has a VCR, you know? But I would, I would, watch, I would buy that movie in a second, but I don't want to buy the SD version. I want to buy the HD version. I think we should, I think uh, we could pass the hat and get John a VCR so you can watch it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. It's okay. I, I still have a box up in my attic full of VHS tapes of kiss bootlegs that I bought back <laughs> that I, that I will never, I don't even own a VCR anymore. I'll never watch them again, but I paid so damn much money for those things. I probably I bought some can't. from Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I can't bear to throw them away, but yeah. they're, they're completely pointless, but it's just yeah. one of those things. True. I have, um, I have all the Highlander TV shows on VHS and they're, this, right but i same thing i spent like 130 bucks for each season i'm like i can't throw these <laughs> yeah right. yeah well they might come back who knows stuff yeah coming back hang on to those along with yeah. your alpha flight number one and they'll oh. be guaranteed they'll be worth something <laughs> that's great yes. well guys um i'm gonna stop recording here in a second and uh and the podcast version we can stay on and say formal goodbyes but Bottom line is, I love you all, and I wanted to reconnect. I've been desperately missing all three of you. And uh, I just thought I'll record the conversation and put it out there as content if anyone wants it. Here, here. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should come hang out with BJ and I in January in uh, Racine. What's the, what is Madison. he doing again? <laughs> it's, a, it's a Joey song. It's an epilepsy benefit. That's uh, right, because Joey's I think song. I was originally... Well, we can do this offline. I were we messaging about this earlier mm-hmm. in the year? Yeah, and it was just the you last. You got your wife's weeks. permission. <laughs> yes, and it was just the last couple of weeks where I thought something's happening in January, and I can't remember what it is, but it has to do with you guys. If you look at the list of people that are going to be there, you'll. <laughs> you'll it's right up your alley. Musicians okay. are all right up your alley too. The guests. Okay, mm-hmm. I yeah. forgot about that until recently. Um, I'll I'll look back into it. All right, I'm going to turn off the recording, but we can keep talking. Uh, Thanks for having us, John. Uh, thank you, John. Mirrorman, come in right back at you. We love you, good sir. Good. Thank you for uh, all the work you do and all the podcasts you put out and all the joy you spread and so forth. And <laughs> you know, we appreciate it. It's funny. All I, the uh, awkward questions you have. <laughs> yeah, I know. So did you make a lot Thank of money? Thank you for all the it? uncomfortable moments. <laughs> you still get paid off of that song or what? How's yeah. that work? I think about uh, BJ I, when you you texted me or messaged me when the Steve Kilby episode came out, and you were like, "Did you really just tell him that he was short and fat?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were basically were like, "I was really surprised when I met you how fat you were." That's basically what you said to him. <laughs> John, always the charmer. Not not exactly, but if you want to, you know, if you boil it down to its essence, that's probably what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were taller than you were wider. (laughs) Apparently, that's a big reason why your show is so good, though, is because you really do approach the interviews the way most people wouldn't. I think. I hope so. That's part of what's good about it. You know. Thanks so yeah i hope so i'm just a fan you know i try to approach it like a fan um okay i'm gonna stop recording bye everybody